Welcome back to Elevate Inspiration for Sunday School. We are in Lesson 5. This is October the 2nd, 2022. This is our Cogent Legacy version. We're still in What is Faith series. And the subject is, Faith Requires Mutual Love. I love this subject, you all. And I think it really goes along with some familiar verses that we're going to look at today. Okay, so let's get started and let's see what we have. First, I want you to think about this question. If love is a natural urge, why is it necessary for one to practice it? Think about that question as we go through this lesson, okay? All right, we have actually four outlines um, here. And the first outline is going to be plea, a plea for brotherly love. Okay, a plea for brotherly love. And you know where we're coming from. We are actually in the last chapter of Hebrew, the former fearful situation. And the writer of Hebrew starts out with this. Let brotherly love continue. I like that. So in that scripture, it says, let it continue. It's more like a command. You know, our world is full of hurting people who in turn only knows how to hurt other people. My wife says that all the time. Hurt people hurt other people's. As a result, our newspapers, our TV news reports, all are full with stories detailing terrible murders, horrific assaults committed by and on people of every age group. So what the writer of Hebrew is saying, let brotherly love continues. And then he gives specifics here. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I like that. I have always loved that particular verse there. And when he's writing this, if you think about in ancient time, the mode of transportation were walking. So people would walk from village to village, and it takes hours. Sometimes it takes days. So Usually, it was customary for you to allow a stranger to come in because there was no hotels when you're going from one location to, excuse me, to another. So, in the third verse, it says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffered adversity as being yourselves also in body. So, it's just trying to show you that you need to allow love to exist, especially with strangers. Because you never know there might be an angel that you entertain. Because in this day and time, remember now, angels was often visited people. There was messenger. All right, this could have been a human messenger. So that word angels can be messenger, um, uh, heavenly beings uh, who were messengers. But, but be careful now because you have entertained some unaware. So what is my takeaway? My takeaway is that when it says let Brotherly love continue is a command instead of a request. See, hospitality is a land, is a hallmark of believers. We want to show grace and kindness towards strangers that God has shown towards us. The same kindness that God has shown towards us, we want to show that to strangers. Remember what Jesus says? Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Think about that. 
the next time when you walk up on a stranger who is in need, somebody with a flat tire or someone that, that need help, think about this scripture here. Now we're going to move into our next outline. Love is the basis of our faith. Love is the basis of our faith. Now we're jumping into Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Oh boy, everyone knows this chapter here. This is a love chapter. It says that, though I speak with the tongues of men, of angels, and have not charity, I am becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, let's first of all, let's think about this now. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and the Corinth people was really fascinated about spiritual gifts. They were attractive to knowledge, prophecies, and speaking in tongues. So Paul is teaching them them that these gifts are meaningful without love. That's how come he used that word love in each of the verses here. Notice here in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I can speak every language on earth and even heavenly language, if I don't have love, it's just like a sound and breath or a tinkling of cinnamon. Do I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge? And do I have all the faith so that I can remove mountains? And I don't have charity. I don't have love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And, and though I give my body to be burned and I have not charity, it profits me nothing. Oh boy, isn't that amazing? See, what Paul is trying to get them to understand is that he's talking about love. He's not talking about eros, sexual love. He's not talking about phileo, uh, which is friendship. But what he's talking about is agape. That is godly love. So what is my takeaway from this? It is more important to act lovingly than to be able to speak all of the language of heaven and earth. You see, agape describes our willful decision to treat others with utmost care and sustain their interests above ours. That is agape. That is what God wants us to do. Okay, the next outline is love is the proof of our gift. We're looking at verses 4 through 7 in 1 Corinthians the 17th correction, the 13th chapter. And what, what Paul is writing here, it says charity, now remember now, that's love, suffereth long, it is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Oh boy, isn't that amazing? Doeth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, it is not easy to provoke, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Contrary to what many of us believe, love is not heavenly notion. You're not just going to get love once you get to heaven. You got to express that love right here on earth. See, believers must constantly measure their love and ask themselves, did I show love in that situation or towards that person? And more important, am I growing? See, Paul showed that love can indeed be measured and that love results in characteristics that can be seen and heard. Notice, notice, it doesn't suffer long, it's kind, it envies not, it's not selfish, it doesn't puff up, it doesn't get mad. It doesn't rejoice when other people fall 
and 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 fail. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It doesn't. Re it but it rejoices in the truth. Oh boy, look how Paul writes that. That is such beautiful. So here's here's my Zoom question that I'm going to ask. If all spiritual gifts are predicated on love, why do some workers within churches seem to believe or behave as though it is not essential to Christian ministry effort? Why do we believe it's not essential to express love when we are doing ministry? <laughs> All right, I have a last outline. Love is permanent. We're looking at verses 8 through 13. And those verses here, it says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So let me just stop right there. Now remember now, charity is love. It doesn't fail where those things such as prophecies and knowledge and tongues, that's going to be done. Because verse 9, we know in part, we only have a partial knowledge because we are human. Omniscient is God. We only have a partial of what's going to be foretold because only God knows everything. So we know in part, we prophesy in part. So what Paul is teaching Corinthians is that when Christ returned, Christian would have access to him and him only because he has everything. Notice it says, and I highlight verse 10. It says, but when that which is perfect is come, that's Christ, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And I love verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, what Paul is trying to get them to understand is that a child can only see so far. They, they act on the here and now. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. But when we become a man, we put away and we begin to see with our spiritual eyes. Because verse 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Right now, in a glass, is not like our mirrors that we have today. In that day and time, they took maybe a piece of metal to shine it up. They could partially see through it. They could not see the in-depth of that image of themselves because they didn't have mirrors kind of like we have today. So they only was able to see partly. And what he's saying is, for now we see through a glass darkly. But then it's going to come a day when I'm going to be face to face with Christ. I'm going to be face with my creator. I'm going to know in part now, but then I shall know as I am known of him. Think about it for a few minutes. Christ, God looks at us and he does not see me, Mickey. He see Christ. And he see his blood have washed and cleansed me. And when I get to heaven with God, I'm going to see now the way he see things. 
So I got to look with my spiritual eyes this day and pray and be prayerful and understand that the gifts that I have right now, when I get to heaven, I won't no longer need those gifts because I'm going to be able to see what God really want me to see. I, I like that. So that last verse says, and now by the faith, hope, and charity, these three, and the greatest of these, of course, is charity. Is love is the greatest. Okay, so what did I get from this right here? I know I went through it kind of real fast, but my lesson learned from this is this. As a result of this lesson, I challenge myself to stop thinking like a child. A child is aware of the present moment, the here and now. A mature believer, however, can view the world from a spiritual perspective. For instance, because of the blood of Jesus, God sees us dressed in the righteousness of Christ. In the same manner, I should see the world around me as the extension of God's love. I shouldn't allow things to disrupt me. I should always have, and a thought to remember, we must have an attitude of love. And I want to emphasize agape because we are an extension of God. Amen. Let's just take a few moments here in reflections. You know, our key verse was, and now by this faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. You know, it's important that we it is important that we grasp and understand what the Savior means when he says we should love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. God is love. And I need to be an extension of God here on earth. I need to be able to demonstrate the same love towards my fellow brethren as he demonstrated the love to me. You know, when you think about it, sometimes we want things reciprocated. If I give you this, then I want you to give me something. But notice what Christ died. I mean, Christ did. He came and died on the cross while we was yet sinners. He even, when they ridicule him, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We in turn must have that same type of attitude. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the gift of your son, Jesus, which he demonstrated your love for us by dying on the cross. Please help us to demonstrate the same kind of love for those around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.